episode 315 for July 2014. And if you're a fan of this show, please support us and help us pay the bills by logging on to the SpidermanCrawlspace.com and look on the right-hand side and look for a button that says Support This Site Via PayPal. You can help ensure more podcasts are coming out in the future and help us pay the light bill or the electric bill or the bandwidth bill, more like it. Along with the show. Okay, time to do reviews. We've got two issues this month. The first one is Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3, Number 3. Mr. Bailey, you're taking the lead on this one. Uh, well, much to the chagrin of Black Cat fans across the Internet, uh, <laughs> she is kind of the, the focus of this issue. And, and it's pretty basic. I mean, you know, I didn't want to spend too much time on the synopsis. I, I, I think the, the devil is in the, uh, the, the critique of it. But basically, we're continuing to see Peter Parker pick up his life after Doc Ock kind of took it over for a while. And that includes becoming the best boss, best boss ever, apparently. Uh, also, we have a extended action sequence in, uh, involving a fire which was apparently, you know, I read this like twice, and, it, and, it, and, and was it started by Electro? Yes, it was. It, is, okay, so it's, I, I, I thought that's how it went. But Electro starts a fire. Peter, of course, is looking for Electro because that was the big cliffhanger at the end of last month's uh, issue. Peter gets to hang out with Mary Jane's boyfriend. There's a little bit of a fight with the black cat. We're in the middle of it. Peter pretends to be Doc Ock again, which was actually a pretty cool scene. And that's kind of it. I mean, it's just, it, it, it basically, Black Cat's got a mad on for, for, uh, for Spider-Man for ruining her life. Uh, and she is apparently going to stop at nothing to accomplish this goal. What's your uh, grade on it, sir? Uh, my grade on it would be a, a, a B. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I didn't enjoy it as much as I have the past couple of, uh, couple of issues uh, of, of slots uh, writing with the character. Uh, but, yeah, I, I give it a, I give it a pretty solid B. Let's go around the horn uh, for grades before we do pro and con. Uh, JR, what's your grade on it? C-. minus. And George? D. And Spec Mike? B-. minus. I'd give it a B also. Mm-hmm. The whole time I was reading it, I was thinking of J.R. talking about how Spider-Man doesn't have any female villains. And, and well, go ahead, J.R. J.R., what was that sigh that I thought of you when I was reading it? or what? Well, I just don't turn my argument back against me that, oh, now she's a villain. Isn't that what you wanted? And, uh, you know, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she has motive for disliking him. No, it's not a motive. It's not a real motive. It's a bullshit motive. Okay, you know? explain. Explain. Well, first of all, because this is a complete uh, 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 redoing of the character, uh, mm-hmm. completely at odds with how she's been portrayed in the past. Uh, she had no secret identity. Everybody knew who she was. Uh, she, you know, she, you know, and uh, for her to say, well, now I have to beat Spider-Man to get back my street cred. What the, <laughs> what the hell is she, a rapper? You know? <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it's stupid. I mean, it's absolutely okay. stupid. Let's go back to Mr. Bailey. Let's uh, Some of your pros from the issue. What would you like? Uh, I like the artwork. Yeah? Like, a lot. I, I especially liked how 
the eye, the Spider-Man eyes kept kind of changing. Like we had like the really thick black with just a little bit of white. And then, you know, when his eyes got really wide, we had less white and or more white and less black. I, I liked Peter overcompensating for being the best boss ever. And his, yeah, that's he, something he'd do. And his, and his people kind of like, well, is this dude bipolar? I think that was one of the best lines of the issue. Uh, and, and I I liked the dynamic between Peter and MJ's boyfriend. I thought, you know, you could have played that where they just didn't get along or he hated Spider-Man, but now they work together and, you know, yeah, there was a, there was a fight with Black Cat in the middle of it, which uh, wasn't, you know, what I thought was the best part of the issue. But I kind of liked some of the character interplay. Okay. What's some other pros from the issue, gang? Um... The thing about this, which part of it was uh, somewhat uh, surprising with me, was um, for the first time I'm actually somewhat intrigued about this Silk character now that they've kind of hinted that part of her backstory involves Ezekiel. Yeah. Yeah, that to me was that kind of actually perked my interest now. I was like, oh, okay, that make and it also makes sense that he would be involved with this. And it kind of reminded me um, – of like one of the earlier issues when Ezekiel was with uh, Spider-Man, I forget what issue number it was, but when he when Morlun was on the prowl, he offered Spider-Man to uh, keep him safe in some kind of a specialized room. Well, it appears that maybe that's this uh, whoever the Silk Silk I mean Silk here, or as we find out, her name is Cindy, took him up on that offer. So you can kind of see the connection that's going to be get transpiring here, and how that might potentially lead into the upcoming Spider-Verse. Refresh me, Ezekiel's dead, isn't he? Yes, he is. And this person, okay. it looked like this was a younger version of him, because like, you can kind of right. tell. Well. Um, the other thing that was actually um, interesting, too, which also kind of, to me, was a little bit uh, somewhat intriguing, is the idea that uh, Anna Maria is essentially going behind Peter's back with regards to building, the, trying to um, work on uh, auto, uh, Doc Ock's uh, nanotech thing. And also, there was uh, maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into this, but did anyone of you notice how the living brain addressed her? He addresses her as Anna Maria, not Miss Marconi. And normally, because normally the living brain kind of addresses people like in, uh, by their appropriate and formal name. And so I was kind of thinking, maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm kind of overreading this, but I'm wondering if some of the remnants of Doc Ock are actually in the living brain now. And if that no, was a little, a good, and if that was like a little tease, a little hint there that maybe that's the case. So I know that's a nice little thought. I noticed yeah. it when he said it in the issue, but it didn't really throw me all that much because <clears throat> the the living brain probably heard Doctor Octopus refer to her as Anna Maria a billion times. Yeah, but you know, so. but normally the living brain's kind of he he always kind of addresses them by their you know by their formal address thing. So I'm just wondering if that was maybe like a nice maybe a little bit of a tease there. That's cool. Yeah. And the um, the other thing I I thought. Ramos's artwork was a kind of an improvement um, compared to one thing. Also, I actually was kind of like the angle of Jonah now becoming the host of his own talk show, and not just and that's not just because I predicted that in the comment section when I wrote the review um, of Amazing Spider-Man number one, but because it's a situation because in a world of the 24-hour cable news show. Somewhat, yeah. and where we have like former politicians or disgraced politicians who are actually getting their own cable news shows, it makes all the sense in the world for someone like yeah. a personality like Jonah to have his own show, especially since you've, we've seen it in other mediums outside of comic books. Like, 
Um, you have it, of course, in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, and it did even was happened in the um, in the '90s cartoon. And this also kind of goes back to. Um, well, it's just an up. It's an update because since newspapers are essentially oh, yeah. dying, and I think yeah. if you look at Jonah's earlier appearances, um, he actually did go to the airwaves and do to some kind of editorial thing. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a nice little throwback it to it. That makes sense. I'm, I'm just kind of hoping that you know in the next issue, Jonah will be down on the Texas border with machine guns posing as you know, <laughs> Rick Perry. I think that would be freaking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Any other pros from this issue, gang? Uh, I, I like Bailey. I like the uh, I like the the reaction that uh, Peter's employees gave when he actually started being nice, and how yeah. badly they freaked them out. Because some uh, of it's actually really funny. Like when they're driving away, and he's like, "I haven't been driving in a long time," and that one woman's like, "Please tell my kids I love them." <laughs> that was that was actually funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's my only pro. That in the art. Jr., you got any pros? Uh, yeah, I I like like you know like. Uh, fake Mike said, I like the scene with Jonah. I mean, I think yeah. uh, the thing is, I, I didn't think the mayor subplot was used to its fullest extent. Uh, I think it was I think it was a great idea that just wasn't entirely properly executed. Yeah. So I don't have much faith that this will be. But if this if this is properly executed, it could be hysterical. I mean, this could in the right hands that Jonah have his having his own form. I mean, just the stuff he says. Um, oh, crap. I don't have the. Yeah, here we go. What is it? The thing I, I just can imagine somebody doing something like this. You know, it's like I faced crisis. I would have had you pinheads crowed up in the fetal position, sobbing for mommy. You know. So, <laughs> so if you thought you could trick me into some mealy mouth teary eyed apology, you can stuff it. So, you know, I, I yeah, I can stand to read that. So I can say my. In my mind, Jr. when you do that, I can see the veins coming off of your head. <laughs> the thing is, and the thing is, though, and probably in the Marvel Universe, the ratings for this would go through the roof, actually. Probably. Yeah. And you've seen this guy ran on here like a Howard, like Howard Beale, like every, every day. I mean, um, from, you know. But so, yeah, I think, like I said, I think it's a good fit for, the, for Jonah as a character. And, makes sen- and it completely makes sense for, for someone like well, him. Let's go to the cons now. Black Cat seems to be a big con for everyone. Oh, yes. <laughs> or should I say the mind. stupid, petty, vindictive psychopath that has taken her place? Go ahead. Because, my gosh, I mean, okay, I can kind of understand, as bad as that story was in the backup issue for Amazing Spider-Man number one, her motives, even misguided as they were, and I'm not so much upset about the fact that she's being kind of refashioned into a villain. But the moment when she, where she basically said, when Spidey essentially tells her what had, that it wasn't him, it was Doc Ock, and her response was essentially, I don't care what the truth is, I'm still going to kill you in order to get my reputation back. That is when any sense of empathy for me, just went completely out the window. And I would not even describe this as character assassination, what's going on with her. I would describe it as character destruction. Okay, because, I mean, I, and I think I, because, I mean, what JR is right, I mean, this is not who, I mean, Black Hat has always been a morally gray character, but this is just going to, I mean, but this is just going to, I think, overboard here. And the thing is, um, there were other ways, um, if you, they wanted to make her a villain, there were better ways to try to do this and, keep, and still kind of make your reader kind of understand this. I mean, 
if you think about the spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, um, that um, episode opened at night, they did it really well, um, where they kind of made her, kind of turned her into it, had the show go on, made her kind of somewhat of an antagonist for Spider-Man, but they did it in a way that made you kind of sympathize with her, and it kind of showed there was a kind of a... Um, Sort of like there's there sort of the love-hate struggle there, that she still had to care for Spider-Man, but at the same time, she wanted to avenge her father as well. So you, so I think this has just been ba- – I think what's been going on with Black Cat has just been badly mishandled from the jump. So, um, And the thing is, I'm not even much of a Black Cat fan, any, but I totally respect people who are, who are, and this is, I think, is a huge disservice for them. So, And the other con I have – which is okay. semi-related. Um, I want to read you a p- portion of this thing where Spidey reacts, re- Spider-Man's reaction to when Mary Jane uh, going to uh, to Ollie. He goes, "Poor MJ, she looked terrified, and the whole time we were together, she went that through that nightly. She was right. The best thing I can do for her is give her space, a chance at a normal spider-free life. She deserves that much." Now. Anyone want to take a crack at the double standard that's being presented in this thing? Well, I mean, it's it's one of the most uh, horrific parts of the issue. I mean, mm-hmm. I, once, once again, it's trying to shoehorn in the, see, see, this is the best thing to do is to break them apart because it just doesn't make sense. It's it, 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 That's not so much writing as it is editorial. Right, and, and then here's the thing, yeah. and here's the thing, though. I mean, so think about this. What does Spider-Man do? Spider-Man puts himself into dangerous, life-threatening situations in order to save people. And apparently this is, bad, this is why Peter and Mary Jane should not be together, because this is causing her untold distress, and because she doesn't know whether or not he's going to come back alive. It's now, what does no, Ollie do for a yeah, living? Yeah, no, he's a firefighter. He's a guy who, right. who, who routinely puts himself into dangerous situations in order to save people, and who also causes Mary Jane emotional distress, worried about whether he's not going to whether he's going to come back alive or dead. So, this is like, so, I mean, the way, the, I mean, I, I, maybe if this is supposed to be kind of, if the intention here is supposed to be like maybe the idea that rather than actually moving on, that all Mary Jane has done is literally trade one Peter for another. Because remember, Ollie's real, actual real name is Pedro, which is Spanish for Peter. So, <laughs> yeah. and I, I'm, and maybe there, I mean, maybe that's where Slot is kind. Of, maybe that's where Slot is going. This, but it's not really doing Mary Jane as a character any favors at all. Yeah, Nothing so. they're doing with it. Mary Jane is doing the character. Oh no! Favors. I mean, I'm kind of a, I'm almost a, on the sentiment of you, George, that maybe she should have gone with uh, Carly Cooper on that road trip to Florida. <laughs> At this point, based on I would, what I would, yeah, I would rather her not be in the book than to have Slot mishandle her continually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, really I mean, would. I'm like I said, I'm maybe I'm somewhat optimistic where they might be, where uh, hopefully that they are kind of trying to play with this idea that maybe she's kind of in denial or something. I'm hoping that's what it is, what's going on here. But you're giving, you're giving them way too much credit. I probably am, but you know, we'll <laughs> I'm really. Mr. I mean, at, at the at the end of the day, yeah. when you look at Mary Jane and what they're doing with her now. Mm-hmm. Remember all the crap? We remember all the times we had to like read through. Oh, Carly's perfect for you, Carly. Oh yeah, yeah. This is the opposite of that. This is mm-hmm. look, look how bad Peter was for MJ, and oh, if you like MJ, you shouldn't want him. To, this is this is more of that kind of mentality, and That's it's, right. That's and it's right. honestly, it's quite stupid. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bailey, what's some uh, cons for you? Uh, uh, 
those would actually be my two cons, though. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have as visceral of a reaction to the black cat thing <laughs> as other people. But that's just because I don't have a whole lot of experience with the black cat. So it's more of I'm recognizing that this seems a little forced, but there's not a whole lot of emotional and agree about it. And that yeah. line did bug me. I was just like, wait a second. She's, oh, he's a fire. Okay, whatever. You know, <laughs> let's just, <laughs> let's just, let's just move on with this. I mean, it, it's just kind of disappointing after the strength of, of uh, you know, when coming back to Spider-Man and, yeah. and reading those last couple of issues of Superior Spider-Man and really being engaged with everything Slot was doing. It's not, <sighs> How do I want to say this? It's not as bad as it was back, like right when uh, Brand New Day happened, right? Uh, but it's not really all that fantastic either. It's it's it's. I'm enjoying it, but it's not like the Superior issues where I was like, "Wow, this is really good." So, right. Bailey, do you think? Like, do you think it, it was a missed opportunity to bring another writer on? I think it would have been probably. I mean, that would have been a great way for Slot to go out. Because then he's going out on a high note. Right. Well, technically, uh, Slot's not actually writing this issue, issue either, because it turns out that Chris Gage actually did the script, and that the public and the uh, printers forgot to put um, put that, uh, give the credit to him. So, huh. Yeah. He's, well, he, mentioned that on a twi- he mentioned that on Twitter, that he was actually, that, uh, that while Dan Slot did the plot for this issue, Chris Gage was the one who actually wrote the, um, the dialogue huh. and the narration. Hmm. So, is there anything that Slot has done with Mary Jane that's, that's memorable? Uh, or, or no. Spider or, Island? What happened? She yet? had spider powers. Yeah, yeah well, that, that was she, probably in Spider Island. Did wasn't that where she told him that she loved him? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also the and the fact that she was actually and she when she says that she finally understands like what Peter meant when he's talking about you know with great power comes great responsibility since she had those abilities. And speaking of that, that's I think. Because since we're coming up with the upcoming Spider-Verse, that's kind of why I get the feeling why, why Bailey was saying, I kind of agree with what Bailey's saying, that this feels like right now we're just kind of going through the motions and it's all kind of set up until we get to the big event. And this is something that Slot has kind of routinely done. I mean, he, it's happened with, you know, in the lead up to Spider-Island and, and also the lead up to Ends of the Earth and even to the lead up of the 700 issue. It just feels like he's trying to kind of save all of his big guns, so to speak, for the big event. Hey Brad, yeah. Kind of just real quick, speaking, you know, because I, I haven't really mentioned the the whole thing with uh, them getting Black Cat wrong. Uh, you know, you and I just recently covered that fantastic Bill Mantlo story mm-hmm. with Doctor Octopus, the Owl, Black Cat, and Spidey. Yeah. And as someone who has read, you know, the the Wolfman days, who has who has read uh, well, what the stuff Bill Mantlo did? Who read stuff people like Roger Stern did? Uh, this is not that character. Mm-hmm. This is something completely different. It's forced, and it is a sad, sad legacy for this character. I feel mm-hmm. bad for the character. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm. It's going to take. I mean, if there, it's going to take a real work to try to recover her. Based You're going to have a long going. hiatus where she, mm-hmm. where you don't even see her for like two years or so, and then have a have, have someone who actually understands the character come in and fix it. Right. I mean, yeah. and also, I mean, if you guys have read the comments by uh, Nick Lowe about this whole the storyline, <coughs> now he thinks that everybody's getting upset because of the costume change, which yeah, is not even. Cost- yeah. There's not even that much of a costume change. No, I mean, it's, it's kind. Of, I mean, it's 
I mean, maybe yeah, the cat eyes are a little bit distracting. I mean, but um, but uh, but the, the, the other thing is too. I mean, because he's and and this whole thing that you, almost you reading this, you can kind of tell that this is a guy who does not really know the history of this character because he thinks that oh that her idea that she still had a secret identity and nobody knew and nobody knew she was a thief or something. Which and also as point let us forget too that she was a private detective who was teaming up with the likes of Captain America. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. no, Jr. called it uh, correctly. I mean, she's mm-hmm. this is a character who did not have a, a, a protected secret identity, and that's now right. she's butthurt about it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Let's see, let's hear from Jr. again. What's some cons for you? Well, I, I don't have anything more to add. I think uh, everybody has pretty well articulated what I thought was wrong with the issue. What what would be a reasonable uh, uh, motive or new direction for this character? For uh, Black Cat. For her to partner up with him again. I mean, that's been done for several decades. Well, yeah, but I mean, (laughs) I'd rather go back to like a new take on something that's already been done to completely getting the character wrong. Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, I, I mean... I liked what they. I mean, it, it, it's it, there's a similar and even better idea, like I said, in the spectacular Spider-Man to, cartoon. But then again, Felicia's backstory in that cartoon was different than the one in the regular universe. So, but you know, but Jer, Jer what do you think about? We can discuss it just a little bit more about how he doesn't have any female villains, and this is as close to one as he can get. Well, there are any number of ways, though, this could have been done. Okay. Uh, I mean, she could have had an accident and lost some of her memory. You know, she could have had something extremely tragic happen to her. Uh, she went to jail. That was tragic. For what? Two, uh, two days, for what? maybe? Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, she could have had something that's, you know, I mean, a, a legitimate reason. I mean, that was a made-up reason. She's robbing again, yeah. and Spider-Man hits her. You know, you know. I mean, come on. You know, they 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 bring characters back from the dead all the time. They could have done. They could have given her a legitimate motivation. Okay. But they didn't. They didn't even. They didn't even try. They just did mm-hmm. this lazy-ass way of, okay, now she's a bad guy, and maybe everybody will forget. You know, forget that she wasn't. So, yeah. Well, it is, the, it is lazy writing, lazy editing. Well, the yeah. other thing is too, um, because what uh, the other thing is kind of off-putting too is um, the fact that she actually threatens mm-hmm. almost that she all she's the one responsible for nearly killing Ollie in this issue because she's using her bad luck powers and he falls through that crack and, and it's all to distract. Spider-Man and everything. So right away, she's already kind of crossed the line in that regard. Yeah. Of course, she kind of crossed it already, and I think in in uh, issue one, in which I kind of, it kind of makes it look like that she was the one who was directing Electra's lightning to kill all those prisoners and everything. You know. Yeah. But any final thoughts for uh, move on to the other issue? There was one more con I had, and it escaped me. Okay. And I it was one that I hadn't written down, and and. I just I cannot remember it now. That's all right. Hey, anybody else? All right, let's move on to Amazing Spider-Man 1.2. And Jr., you've got this one. Yes, I do. Amazing Spider-Man 1.2: Learning to Crawl, also known as At least it's not a piece of shit like the Chapter One. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. I'll agree. But it ain't a whole lot better. Um, yeah. Basically, what we do is we meet up again with this dreadfully boring Clash character, you know, (laughs) rich kid Clayton Cole, who's, you know, just out there looking for love. 
you know, and he don't get it from his parents, so he's looking for it from Spider-Man in a, you know, non-sexual way, of course, you know. <laughs> and um, so he says, you know, he's he's wanting to get attention, getting to be a superhero and everything, and he sees the vulture, and but he can't quite catch up with him. Ah, crap, you know, he missed that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then he sees Spider-Man uh, leaving the Baxter building, you know, at the which is what Spider-Man did during Amazing Spider-Man number one, tries to catch up with Spider-Man. Spider-Man, he can't catch up with Spider-Man because his rocket boots run out of power, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, poor, poor Clash. Um, so anyway... <laughs> The scene switches to Peter Parker going to the school counselor's office. Uh, and it's interesting, though, you know, that uh, New York school, city schools can, af- uh, can afford uh, counselors, you know, in these days of budget restraints. But Peter, Peter shows up with a black eye and, you know, basically, you know, because the thing clobbered him. And, of course, he can't say that the thing clobbered him. Uh, so he does all this code stuff. And the school counselor, believe, you know, thinks that's code for that Flash Thompson did it. Now, I don't know how the school counselor comes to that conclusion, but, he, you know, he does, and I think it's stupid. So, <laughs> so, now, so now Flash gets blamed for giving Peter a black eye when I don't think Peter implied that whatsoever. And so now Flash is mad. So, but one interesting thing, and I will say this is something interesting, uh, which is probably more realistic these days, but also reflects how much things have changed in the last 50 or so years. Uh, the counselor says, you know, Peter, you know, you're, you're trying to get the approval of the wrong guys, people. You're trying to get the approval of the stuck-up bitches and hoods and, you know, jocks and <laughs> shit like that, you know. Hang out yeah. with people who are smart like you. And so he takes them to, like, the, the AV club or, or whatever, which... <laughs> the nerd support group, basically. Exactly. <laughs> but, but, but see, that, that is something, I will say this, that is something that has changed since Spider-Man. I mean, 50 years ago, um, you know, we didn't have any of this technology. So a nerd, you know, a nerd, I mean, anybody who knew how to use a computer really was a nerd and a geek, you know, uh, and anybody who, for example, anybody who walked around with a, uh, uh, with a uh, handheld communications device was probably playing Star Trek, you know, and, uh, but now everybody uses a computer, everybody, yep. and everybody has a Star Trek communicator, except they call it a cell phone. So yep. it would make sense now that there would be these people that Peter could hang out with and have something in common with. So that I think that is a, a nice acknowledgement of how things have changed. But uh, anyway, so during this, uh, during this time, Peter sees uh, an advertisement for a scholarship uh, if you win a science fair. And, of course, the scholarship is sponsored by those fine folks at Osborne Chemical. Um, so anyway, Clash... Uh, Comes up with, and every time I think of Clash now, I think of Kevin Clash, the voice of Elmo, who now is being sued for, uh, you know, child molestation. They've been dismissed. It's been dismissed. Uh, oh, yeah. Just because DNA couldn't find any traces of red fur on the kid doesn't mean. Oh, oh, good anyway. Lord. God. Good Lord. Anyway, so, wow. so but, but, but Clash has also invented a uh, something for the, you know, a sonic uh, pulse generator, you know, and Dad's so proud. He says, ah, you know, that's great. Here, I'm going to give you money. Um, and so then Clash says, uh, well, here, you know, I, I know a way to spend it. So he goes to Spider-Man's agent. Maxie says, I want to, you know, have a play date with Spider-Man. 
Uh, you know, and of course, Maxie, instead of saying, are you five years old? Uh, you know, basically he takes, he takes the money. I mean, there's, there's more to it and give and take, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I'm, I'm cutting it to the quick here. Um, in the meantime, you know, dipshit old bat Aunt May, you know, is, <laughs> is, is worrying about Peter. And yeah. also, we're, uh, you know, we're kind of segueing in and out of the original Amazing Spider-Man number one. Uh, we actually see why Peter is at the spot science exhibit when the chameleon communicates with him. Um, and then uh, we find, you know, and then, I, you know, like I said, we go through Aunt May's worries. We go through Spider-Man's, you know, self-pity about why nobody loves me because J. Jonah Jameson's a big loud mouth and everybody believes him and... So then Spidey's agent calls him in and says, hey, I have a play date for you. Here's some cash, and, you know, all you got to do is uh, face this other guy and, uh, and let him win. And, of course, Peter's so desperate for cash, he takes it. So Peter goes and shows up with Clash, and, uh, you know, Clash basically says, yeah, I want to do a video and, you know, be famous. And Spider-Man says, okay, give me my money. And, they do, you know, they have a little fight, but then Clash brings out the sonic generator and, you know, uh, uh, blows up part of a building or a chimney or whatever, and Spider-Man rightly calls him out as, you are a friggin' nut. You're a creep. You know, and uh, webs him up and, and runs away. So now Clash, that is Clash's supervillain motivation. You know, and, and this is a month for stupid supervillain motivations. You know, in, instead of saying I, you know, instead of this guy coming to the conclusion that you know what I've kind of been acting like a stalker and a creeper, you know, and I wanted this guy, I wanted to to make this guy look bad, you know, by throwing a fight and making me look cool. Yeah, that would give any normal person the idea that some, I'm a little screwed up upstairs. But of course. <laughs> That doesn't occur to him. Well, then, you know, the next scene is Peter goes to the school counselor and says, I'm sorry that you were such a dumbass and believed, you know, and, and came up with the idea that Flash gave me the black eye because Flash really didn't give me the black eye. Um, and, of course, you know, uh, that, 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 that goes nowhere because... You know, now flashes, you know, basically says, you know, I'm going to remember this. And, uh, you know, hey, counselor, if he shows up with a bl another black eye or bruise or two, don't come looking at me. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, dipshit, we're back at dipshit at me. And, you know, she walks, <laughs> she goes into Peter's room and sees the window open and he's gone. And now she knows where he's been and what he's doing. Yeah, right. You know, and of course, I won't spoil it by by giving away what she thinks in 1.3, but it's, <laughs> you know, I guess it would be reasonable for a parent to think that a child was doing that, to be honest. But, you know, this is just, this is just, I, I hate this Aunt May. This Aunt May, if, if this type of person exists, and I think maybe this type of old person did exist 50 years ago, uh, and I think, you know, my wife had some great aunts who were kind of loopy like this, but <laughs> you know, it's this is this is just this is oh this is an offensive older person stereotype, and I'm surprised they yeah. still use it. Um, you know, what's your grade? <laughs> C. I see. Okay, what's uh, your grade, George? C. Bailey. C. Uh, Spec Mike. B. I'd give it a C also. I don't think it was as strong as the first one. No, it wasn't. 
Now, what's what's some pros, everybody? Jr., what's your pro? I can't think of one. Really? No, other no other than the one that I mentioned that uh, by introducing Peter to people that he might have something in common with. Uh, I think, it, like I said, I, I kind of like that because that is an acknowledgement of, I uh, think, you know, he would. I mean, why the hell does he want Liz Allen and Flash Thompson's acceptance? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're assholes. So do you think this this modern this this AV club this uh, putting a video on YouTube is working with these 1960s stories? No, no, because they're keeping some of the other anachronisms. Uh, oh, yeah. And I and I know that you know we can say well you know if, if Spider Man you know 13 years have passed in the Marvel universe this would have been the uh, what 1991 and YouTube and all that wasn't around but you know we could say that you know but the thing is these comics are going to be around and probably read years from now and it's that's not going to make a difference that just at that particular time youtube didn't exist but it's just the the other anachronisms are all there the way that uh, the way that peter looks for example uh the the way that j jonah jameson talks the way that aunt may talks uh you know it's uh it, it doesn't work hey hey jr yes one of the this this was the most egregious standout to me uh we're talking about anachronisms uh is when they use the exact wording of when Spider-Man left the, the Baxter building from ASM number one. Mm-hmm. When, when, remember when he went to uh, see the Fantastic Four? Right, right. I'm going to make you guys look like pikers. Look like pikers. And we say, we, we say pikers here while we're trying to, to try to modernize um, yeah. the, the origin story, which, which, by the way, no one was calling for. Exactly. <laughs> if, I yeah. called, if I called my cousin. Now he he's in Baylor right now, so he's he's actually like twenty one, all right. But that's not that far away from seventeen. Especially you know jumping from you know knowing about clothes and stuff is not all that different from you know you know the brands in high school to you know the brands in college. If I called him and I said, "Hey Kyle, can you tell me what what are pikers?" He's going to tell me it's some kind of goddamn hiking boot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so yeah, that, uh, trying to transition that it just it, it doesn't. You're going to run into to things like that that are glaring, and it just doesn't work. And I oh, know, oh, by the way, that I mentioned that no one was asking for this to happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's I don't understand why they keep having to revisit both companies. Really, you know, I mean, Marvel and DC. You know, these origins are dated, but they are what they are. You know, they are what yeah. they are. You know, I, I, I've said that before that it is the conceit. Uh, of writers that they cannot get past it, that they must do something with the origin. They just have to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to put their stamp on it or something. They just, they, by God, they have to monkey with the origin somehow. You know, I mean, to. Superman came from a dying planet. Batman's parents were killed. Peter Parker got bitten by a spider. I mean, really, that's it. You don't need. I mean, we have the origin stories and some of the color, but you don't keep, need to keep revisiting. It's part of American popular culture now. You don't need to keep reminding people how these guys came to be. So anyway, hey Bailey, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. Bailey, are you there? Yes. Okay, real quick. I mean, do, do you is this stuff that you've already heard as a Superman fan when they like monkey with Superman's origin like what like twice a week? <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did like five different origins in less than ten years. Oh, yeah. You know, they going have. going back to Birthright, and then Secret and then Origin. That the Secret Origin, and then you had Earth Two, Earth One, and then you had the New Fifty Two, and then you had the film. I mean, you you, you know, 
origin stories are easy because you're taking already established facts and just retelling it and putting your own spin on it. So there is a little bit of a, well, I'm going to put a new spin on it, but there's also, it, it's like, it's like when you had your action figures when you were a little kid and you played like the same adventures over and over and over again, because that's, you know, cause it made you happy. You know, that doesn't mean that everybody wants to read about that. So yeah. not everybody wants to read the, you know, exploring the early days of Peter Parker, because, you know, if you're, if you're going to go for pluses, I liked the scenes with the AV club, mm-hmm. but overall this entire series one, why didn't you do it during his 50th anniversary when it would have made sense? And two, and more importantly, what are we going to learn from this? What are we going to mm-hmm. get from this? Mm-hmm. That villain, that new villain, I guess, is what they're going for. Yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, they do that. There's another cliche I'd like superhero comics to stop doing. Yeah. Going back, yep. retelling the origin, and either inserting the villain from the contemporary times backwards, mm-hmm. or yeah. using that to springboard as a brand new villain for him to fight that you didn't hear of in the fifty intervening years. <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's not like this is. I understand that when a character is around for over 50 years, you're going to retell stories in different ways. I get that you can't avoid it, you know, but when you keep going back, I mean, when, when Buziak did this with amazing fantasy, what was that in there? Was that the nineties or was that the two thousands that he did? Oh, you mean uh, you're thinking of untold tales. Also. 90s, no, 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 I'm not. Oh no. Oh yeah. Yeah. Amazing fantasy, amazing fantasy, 16, 17, 18. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Untold Tales is a good example of that, but to be fair, that filled a particular need at the time it was coming out mm-hmm. because yes. it was, you know, smack dab in the Clone Saga, and it was it, the better, better Spider Book. There was a hunger for classic Sp- Spider-Man stories. It's why Alan Moore's Supreme did as well as it did, I think, because it came, it was telling Superman stories, and I don't agree with this criticism, but it was telling Superman stories during the Electric Blue era. So, in, in that case, it, 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 you know, Buziak was doing what Buziak likes to do, which is playing with continuity and, and, and solving certain things that maybe didn't need to be solved, but then they had Amazing Fantasy 16, 17, and 18, which was telling, you know, in-between stories. And... Uh, I'm sure there's a hunger for stuff out uh, like this for from new readers, and maybe it's because we're all kind of we've been around the block a few times that yeah. we're kind of sick of seeing it. But that is just that's a valid criticism, though. Mm-hmm. You know, that just just because <laughs> just <laughs> I feel like you know spoken word song where he was talking about how you need to listen to the elderly and the mentally infirmed for they too have a story. Uh, but but at Be the same careful, time, <laughs> <laughs> what what are what are we gleaning from this? What is it really? I mean, what is introducing a? There was no nice uh, teacher or guidance counselor back in the '60s that was helping Peter get through it. In fact, most of the teachers were being assholes to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's sitting there, you know, his, his his experiment screws up, and his teacher yells at him because he's looking at one of those lurid picture magazines. I mean, 
it doesn't do anything. And, and, and the whole thing with Peter fessing up about, you know, it wasn't Flash, it was just like, wow, I'm like 30 degrees of don't give a shit at this point. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm, not, and I'm not saying that to be overly pithy. I'm really not. And I'm not trying to be snarky. It's just it's just a sense of frustration that this book is like three ninety nine. Okay? Yeah. Now, to be fair, Brad helped me out with this one. All above board and legal. Just 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 to point that out, because I couldn't get to the shop in time for the show. But still, when you're when I'm paying four with something beyond your ability to retell a story from 1962. Yeah. Mm. The, uh, another thing that bothered me a little bit is the Spider-Man taking the money to go fake a fight with the guy. Mm, Did did that bug you guys a little bit? It seemed a little unresponsibility-ish. It's a little bit, yeah. He's, I mean, he's a, he's being a little bit dumb, but a a little bit dickish here, but I mean, in this, they basically did kind of, um, slightly defend this issue a little bit because I'm the, gave it a B, um, of this thing. I do think the big positive of this thing is the fact that if you really wanted to try, I mean, with, um, the dance, that dance law and, uh, Raymond Perez, if anything else, they really do kind of capture a little bit of the Stanley Steve Ditko kind of style, essentially. In my in my opinion, I mean, especially the Perez's. I mean, artwork and everything like this. Also, I think Slot's characterization of Peter in this is much better than what he's been putting out in terms of Spider Man. In terms of Amazing Spider Man, because I think he really has a better understanding of Peter Parker as this teenager who's still kind of struggling between what is do what is the right thing is and stuff. All that being said, I'm totally kind of understand where you guys are coming from. And the thing is about when I was reading this thing, because I know I really liked the last, the first part of this. And part of that was because it felt like, okay, that this could have been something that you could have inserted between amazing fantasy 15 and amazing Spider-Man number one. This one, on the other hand, the reason why part of the reason why I didn't like it as much is because to do an analogy, if Amazing Spider-Man number one was a DVD, this issue is more like the deleted scenes you find in the special features. And a lot of this felt like it wasn't really a story so much as like, oh, here's this one scene that could have been inserted into the original issue, and here's another scene that could have been inserted into the other issue. And it really feel you really do get... I'm really starting... With this issue in particular, I was really starting to feel... Yeah, a lot of this is feeling really superfluous. A lot of this just feels like, okay, they're nice embellishments, but they're not really necessary. Um, yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, it's nice to have that thing with, you know, with, you know try to tie in that whole thing with Peter inadvertently uh, having Flash get take the blame for, but, and tie that in with the chameleon thing, but it's not really that important. Also, with regards to that, cl- that uh, so-called, so-called cliffhanger at the end involving Aunt May, not to give it much away, there's not, by the way, we're not going to be much of a surprise for people that, no, she's not going to figure out that Peter is Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> uh, not, 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 to spoil, not, to, not to give too much spoilers there. Also, right. and not also, if, JR, if you, I'm, I don't know if you've read the third part yet? Yes, I have. Okay, yeah, because if you think Aunt May... Is being is really kind of acting like the stereotypical senile old lady. The next issue is just even worse. 
in that mm, regard. Yeah, exactly. um, that's, I have. Yeah, that's, I haven't read it yet, but man, all right. Oh yeah, I mean, but <laughs> but no, I mean that that's and that's the thing. And the other thing about Clash, I do think it's. I do like the fact that they're also doing the kind of a comparison contrast between Peter, but at the same time, it's like you're kind of thinking, okay, this is getting a little bit, you know, you're kind of like, where are you kind of going with this type, you know, with this? It's got to be going somewhere a little bit. Um, yeah, but, you know, that's that just kind of, um, but yeah, I mean, it's getting to the, I mean, this issue was, I mean, it is getting to the point where it's kind of feeling like, okay, you need to kind of get, you know, there needs to be kind of a, neat, you know, a point to this thing a little bit. I mean, because it feels like it is all this supplemental material thing that's, you know, but... Although I still liked it a little bit, or what it was. But my greatest, right. my greatest fear in this is that they're going to continue doing like next. We'll have two point one and explore some of the Peter and Gwen oh, stuff. Oh, it's yeah. just gonna. I, I'm, I'm afeared. Uh, I have a. I'm, a, I'm afraid. Well, I'm afeared that it's just gonna keep going. Well, the damn thing selling. The, the the damn thing's selling very well. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, so so we have more of this to look forward to. Well, it's just because yeah. it's got the amazing. I think part one of it is just because it's got the amazing Spider-Man exactly. title it's on there. It's number one yeah. popular. Oh yeah, and retail retailers were like, oh okay. <laughs> if they would have called this Spider-Man Learning to Crawl, yeah, the, one, two, three, four, it would not have sold. Yeah, this if they well. sold this as an actual mini, as the actual miniseries that it is, I don't think many people would be picking it up. No. Yeah. It's very smart for Marvel to do that. Oh yeah. Honestly. Mm-hmm. So, so from here on out, we're just gonna have to suffer through 3.1, where we revisit <laughs> uh, Spidey right after Gwen's death. Oh God. Why not? That's what I mean. They're selling, dude.